your business will be disrupted by something, whether it is something global that nobody has control over, or whether it is your competition initiating some kind of marketing that makes you shake in your boots a little bit. Get ahead of that. There's so much opportunity to create content and really own the web in your space. Do it, do it before they do. You will be so much better off if you start now. Welcome to Tractionville, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with Benj Miller. And today, wow, that's such a soft entry, Benj. Benj Miller. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, it's all about smooth jazz. Smooth jazz on Tractionville. All right. I'm really excited about our guest today. We have Angela Poynton. She is the president of 11 out of 11 in Philadelphia. And she is the author of Stop Blending In. I love that title. Angela, welcome to Tractionville. Thanks, guys. Good to be here. So many places we could start. A lot of ground to cover. But Angela, can tell, tell us, um, what do you do at 11 out of 11? Yes. 11 out of 11 is a content marketing agency. So in essence, what we do is on behalf of the clients that we work for, we are their ghost authors. We are creating content such as blogs, eBooks, white papers, landing pages, email campaigns, all of that stuff that is involved in content marketing is what we produce on behalf of our clients. And how did you get introduced to EOS? Our very early days, um, we brought on a client who is still a client today, a company named Leadership Resources out of Nebraska. They're a leadership development company, and they also are certified EOS implementers. And they were like, hey, this is what we do. And we learned about it. And it was new, completely new to us at that time. And we thought it was super cool and it sounded pretty neat. And then lo and behold, we started meeting other companies that were running on EOS and more companies that were running on EOS and started you know, getting our own content from different sources about EOS. And what we found is they are the most fun to work with, um, companies that are running on EOS. We find them particularly organized, disciplined, they understand what it means to be rhythmic in your business. And that's really important when you think about content creation. For instance, if a company puts out a blog post in January because they're gangbusters about finally getting their content in place, but then they don't blog again until March <laughs> and then maybe not again until August. It doesn't have that rhythmic nature that is so important to both their audience, but also Google. Um, who is hungry for content as much as you can put it out, right? So um, that rhythmic DNA yeah. is really critical for us in pairing with a company and working together in a very productive nature. Those are great descriptive words of companies that run on EOS. Fun, organized, disciplined, rhythmic. I love that. Where did yeah. your name come from? 11 out of 11. What's behind that? Yeah. 
So I come from marketing agencies. That's where I spent most of my career. And one of the things that I really struggled with um, working at other agencies was I never felt like the client was getting necessarily the best team to execute the work. I felt like they were getting the team that was available or just maybe a client canceled. So they had some bandwidth. And so, hey, here's your team. And when 11 out of 11 was founded, it's structured differently in other agencies in that our team is 100% subcontractors. We pull in the team that is best going to serve the client based on industry expertise or particular marketing discipline and their expertise in that discipline. And so we're really striving to be above 10 out of 10 in that regard. We're really looking to deliver the best people to execute content marketing on behalf of every client. You know, one thing when I, when I think about that, the marketing, right, one of the things that clients struggle with is how do we measure all that, right? Leading indicators, lagging indicators. Can you talk to us about kind of a marketing scorecard? Yes, that's a big piece of what we assist clients with. So the first 30 days of our engagement, we're working on strategy. We're doing keyword research to find out what we should be writing content on. We're doing competitive research, but we're also developing what we should use as our measurables to make sure everything is successful. And look, let's face it, in business, not everything is successful. The key is measuring it so that you can find out if it's working or not, do more of what's working and maybe tweak what's not working so well. And so we use a tool called HubSpot to do that. Um, we're a certified agency HubSpot partner. And we identify the measurables that will ultimately lead to their sales goals. So typically a client will say, hey, we want to grow by 10% or, hey, we want to bring on 15 new clients this year. Whatever it is that they can quantify, they share with us. But it's always lagging. It's always what we are trying to get to. What we focus on is, okay, what are the marketing measurables to get you to that point? What's your website traffic now? How much does it have to grow to in order for you to get exposed to enough people to ultimately at the end of the game have those 15 clients or whatever the case may be? How many people convert on your website now? What's that percentage? Okay, if we grow traffic and the percentage stays the same, are you getting enough leads to close the sales to get to the 15 if it's 15? Or can we do some tweaks on the website and make it perform better to get that percentage up? Then we don't have to generate as much traffic because the percentage of conversions is increasing. So we look at all those metrics, right? Um, it sounds complicated in some regard, but it's really when you do it every day, quite simple. It's pretty much the same for all clients. It's just how do we change those mechanics and those numbers to get them to the end goal and then monitoring that. Do you have some examples of some KPIs, key performance indicators? Yes, absolutely. So some of the measurables that we'll look at are number of new contacts in a client database. Um, we had, for instance, a client who started with us who originated with 400 email addresses in their database. The contacts were clients, a lot of prospects, maybe some alliance partners or influencers in their world. It's not enough to get to their goals. As much as we want to market and send email campaigns to those 400, 
when we run the metrics of conversions, it's not enough. So the key for them was how do we add more contacts every single month, okay? So, and what are the activities we do every single month to add contacts? So for them, those activities were primarily collaborating with other people in their universe on webinars and doing webinars every month. Because guess what? When you sign up for a webinar, you have to give your contact information to get the link, right? So if we're adding 300 new email addresses to their contact database every month, by the end of the year, it looks a whole lot different than it did at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And now we're marketing and nurturing this very much larger database versus where they started with a simple activity that yes, it takes time to put those presentations together and it can feel like, Ooh, here comes another webinar I got to present on again. But when you're looking at the metrics and seeing how it's worth it, man, that's paying off, right? So that's just one, they happen to be a B2B company, one example. Um, and then, you know, when you dig down into the details, you're looking at things like email open rate for their nurture campaigns and email click rate for their nurture campaigns. And, oh man, we sent an email campaign on, for them, it was on succession planning because that's an area of their business. And wow, the click-through rate on that was insane okay, maybe we need to do a series on that topic because people are really, you know, showing that they're thinking about this right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a number of them that we look at, but we usually try and nail the, the win that's going to elevate them to where they need to be to get to their goals. Today's episode is sponsored by 90.io. N-I-N-E-T-Y dot I-O. 90 is a cloud-based collection of the essential business building and awareness tools you need to make running EOS easy. The clean and extraordinarily intuitive system includes every one of the tools you need to not only run EOS, but cascade it down and throughout your company. EOS is great, but implementing it throughout your organization can overwhelm even the best of us. Our friends at 90 are obsessed with making sure that every one of the EOS tools is simple to find, simple to use, and captures all the data your team needs to hit, an average of 90% of the rocks, measurables, and to-dos. For more information, you can visit www.90.io. Angela, for the people who have never taken a step into the world of content marketing and uh, they they find it hard because I think their their intrinsic deep issue is they they're afraid of being taken advantage of, afraid of wasting money, resources, time, but they just have a struggle with it because you it feels disconnected from the business in that I it's so hard to measure the ROI, you know you somebody could read a blog and not become a customer for two years, and it's really hard to track that and measure that. How do you encourage business owners to think about the idea of ROI when it comes to content marketing? So I get this question a lot in, in, in different words from, from prospects that I talk to. And, and I usually say a couple of things. One, content marketing is not the quick win. Um, and for some business owners, if they've made the decision too late, to talk to people who can help them, they need a quick win because they're not in a good place. I steer them in another direction if that's 
um, their, their perception because it's not going to be something that is like a spigot that you turn on and overnight you have leads. Right. It takes patience for the client um, and, and patience for us, quite frankly, to see the numbers grow in the right direction. What I try to educate clients on is this, usually the second thing I will say. If you don't take on content marketing, one of your competitors will if they aren't already. So if you are not nurturing your database with content and elevating yourself to being the thought leader in your space, one of your competitors will. Whoever gets to that game first and does it the best is going to win. It's really hard to beat out somebody after they've already won in that, in that regard because now you're competing with them on Google and like fighting for high rankings and fighting for attention. So the best time to start it is now um, if you can. Again, if someone is desperate for leads tomorrow, content marketing should always be part of the mix, but it's not the marketing deliverable that's going to get you leads tomorrow. I'm not sure what is. Maybe paid ads, you know, if you're in the e-commerce space, but B2B, man, that's tough. So um, it really is an exercise in patience again. And in knowing that what I do now will probably pay off for me at the end of the year. Mm, that's a good horizon to, and I think most people can stomach that. Uh, it's, I, you reminded me of the quote, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. So it's probably one of those, but you just mentioned thought leadership status. And I know this is an area that you've done some work on and, and have seven steps. So could you take us through those seven steps to being a, a the, getting to leadership status? Yeah. So I, the, I'll cover the first couple. The, and this is all explained in the book, Stop Blending In. But the first couple of things are probably the most crucial things. And that is, what do you want to be known for? And how specific can you answer that question? So I've worked with people who say their business is very varied. They want to be known for, you know, producing this, but also for this. And we kind of do a little bit of this too. When you talk about executing content marketing, there are companies that we work for that we publish a blog post every single day. When you do a variety of things, that pace of content is appropriate. But if you're really trying to get known as the authority in one thing, pick one thing and be super specific. We are trying to be the best benefits company for nonprofits, right? What we're doing and who we're doing it for is super specific, and now your content is all tailored around that, right? The second learning um, and advice that I would share is pick a content vehicle that you really enjoy. So you guys picked a podcast. I assume you really enjoy doing these and talking with each other and meeting new people. Like it's fun, right? So when you go to do the next one, you're not like, oh my gosh, another one again. If you are picking a vehicle that you do not enjoy, you will do the first one and you will never do another one. Maybe you eke out two or three, but it's painful. 
So a lot of people are being pressured right now, create videos, do a podcast, you should blog every day, and, you know, but they hate writing or they hate being on video. Whatever it is, you have to pick what's comfortable for you. Not necessarily because that's how your audience wants to get the content, but because you're going to be able to execute it and it's going to be enjoyable. That's really such a big part that I think so many people miss because all the incoming is you got to be everywhere. Um, and, and ultimately we see a lot of this, we see people start things and never finish them. Right. Um, or can't keep up with that rhythmic level of, of repetition. So that's really important as well. And then the second is to always do a gut check to make sure that your content and what you're producing is really adhering to that focus and what you want to be known for. So if you think about how are your buyers going to buy and what are they buying, and then you think about your content, that Venn diagram's got to cross over. Right. If I'm a content marketing agency, but I'm super passionate about working out, and I'm like, I'm going to start a podcast about working out because I think that's fun. That's not going to help me, right? It's not going to help grow the business. And you see that, don't you? You see thought leaders who are like, I'm so passionate about golf or, and they like go off on this tangent. And then it's like, wow, I put so much effort into this, but it really didn't generate any leads. Um, and so really, you know, create that thought leadership about how and where you want your company to grow. That's so good. Angela, there's 37 and a half people listening to this episode right this minute. And they're thinking, there's no way I could hire somebody else to write for our industry. It's too technical. They'd never understand. Yes. We never get that question. Never <laughs> at all. It is absolutely the number one question that's always asked on every prospect call. And what I would say is we've written for everything. Business owners that think that nobody can write for their industry are missing a couple of key pieces. One, your prospects don't understand your industry as well as you do. And if you get into your industry speak, you're gonna miss them. So when you have an external writer writing on behalf, they have to understand it because the prospect reading it has to understand it. Now, there's certainly tons of writers out there that are poor and that you know will do a potentially horrible job. But when you hire a professional content marketing agency, what you're hiring is someone who can take your thought leadership and translate it into something that the rest of the world can understand and digest, learn from, scan quickly, get the key points. And then the number one objective of creating content is getting people to convert from it, right? So putting in multiple opportunities for people to convert within that content is key. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing every business owner wants is more conversations with prospects. So yeah. That's right. Angel, where can our audience come find more about the book and 11 out of 11? Yes. So the book is on the website. So I'll just direct you to 11 out of 11 with the digits.com. Perfect. 
And you have the ear right now of entrepreneurs around the globe. What's, what's one piece of advice that you'd leave them with today? Well, I would say no matter when you're listening to this, you, your business will be disrupted by something, whether it is something global that nobody has control over, or whether it is your competition initiating some kind of marketing that makes you shake in your boots a little bit. Get ahead of that, be aggressive, be proactive, even if you do it independently with your own team. There's so much opportunity to create content and really own the web in your space. Do it, do it before they do. You will be so much better off if you start now. That's well, perfect. Good. good. Thank you. Tractionville, check out the book. You want to know more. She gave us a tease with the seven steps to leadership status. You can get the rest in the book, Stop Blending In, uh, available at 11outof11.com. We'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, if you enjoyed this, if it's helpful, let us know. Shoot us a line. We love hearing from you. We love your ideas, feedback. We will see you next Tuesday for Tractionville Tuesday. Tractionville Tuesday.